Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 319, BGG Hotness, for March 2021. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode, but especially our new Patreon, Andrew. Thanks so much, Andrew. You rock, my friend. All right, Anthony, we are back and we are talking about, again, the latest and the greatest in board gaming. And of course, our friends at Board Game Geek puts together a fantastic list so that when you get to the geeky water cooler time, you'll have obviously something really cool to talk about. So that's going to be our feature review this week. Some good stuff on there, right? Yeah, yeah, it's always a lot of fun. We, at the end of every month, dig through all the games, the top 15 in the BGG hotness, and let you know what games everybody's talking about, and why, and whether you should care. Because sometimes you shouldn't care. Or we don't care. I don't know. <laughs> it depends. But um, it's nice to add some context, because I feel like the number one thread on all of these games when they jump up in the hotness is, why is this game in the hotness? So we're going to answer that question for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so check out our feature review coming in a few minutes and look like a genius in front of all your gamer friends thanks to Anthony's deep dive analysis of, again, the latest and greatest that's going on on Board Game Geek. So we'll have some fun talking about that in a little bit. But before we get into all that fun stuff, I just want to make a little bit of a note because, again, if you're listening to this on audio, you may not know that we recently transitioned to doing video. We're here. We're <laughs> waving. If you're watching, if you're not, you don't know we're waving. <laughs> yeah. So actually now we've been doing these audio podcasts on YouTube for quite some time. And we hope that that's been enjoyable for many of you out there that like to consume the podcast that way. So we wanted to have the podcast everywhere, even though the vast majority of you don't watch or listen on YouTube. But now there's actual video of us doing the podcast live and recorded on YouTube. And that'll be coming out on every Friday of the week. So Wednesday will be the audio release. And Friday will be the video release. It does take a little time to kind of put everything together. And we're still getting up to speed on all this good stuff. So again, we're always producing more and more content to get out there to you. So hopefully this is fun. Hopefully this is a new addition. And we sincerely hope that you check us out on YouTube. Because again, everything that goes on board games, typically at some point or the other, comes, comes up on uh, YouTube. So now we come up on YouTube, uh, so definitely check out our YouTube page. Subscribe there if you haven't already. It does help us a great deal because algorithms and such. So the more people who subscribe, the more algorithms does a thing, and we become more of a thing, and you know, eventually global domination. But on the right, on the bright side, everyone would get free board games. So uh, what do you have to lose, right? Come on. <laughs> I love I love your campaign platform. <laughs> a board game in every in every Kalex and a Kalex in every house. So <laughs> I don't think it's a loser. You get to pick the board games and the Kalex, and I'm telling you, it'll all come together. Yeah. Look, I have many, many years of playing economic games. I have a strong economic structure plan to get games in the hands of my gamers. So there's my campaign pitch to you all. So check me out when I eventually run for office and try to get everyone a copy of Gloomhaven, at the very least. So we will talk more about my future political plans later, but until we get around to that kind of stuff, we should talk about one of the other things that we do, hopefully that you've had a chance to watch and or listen to, and that, Anthony, would be BGA Live. BGA Live every Wednesday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, daylight time now, uh, over on Board Game Arena or twitch.tv slash Board Game Arena. So this week we're doing Oriflam, the, I don't know, what kind of game is this? It's, I, I keep wanting to call it social deduction, but it's not really. I mean, it is, but it's not because whatever, you'll see. It's a lot of fun. I really like it. You can listen to my review from like three weeks ago. Um, I, had a lot, I had a blast playing it physically and now we can play it digitally. 
And so we'll have a lot of fun with that. Yeah, check out Anthony's review on episode 315. Yeah, I think it's social deduction meets programming, which sounds terrible, but it's actually a lot of fun. Yeah, that does sound terrible because I hate both of those genres. <laughs> and yet it worked. I gave this game a glowing review. So if that tells you anything, which I don't think it does, join us on Wednesday. <laughs> no, I think it does because I know that there are a lot of like mechanics and genres of, of certain board games out there that I just generally don't like. Like it just doesn't work for me personally. It doesn't mean they're bad games. It just It just doesn't do it for me. And then every once in a while there is a game in that area that just does it. And when it does it, it's always like in my top five or 10 of board game geek of all time, but I don't know. It just happens. It just turns out that way. So it's like, it's either a complete miss or a complete hit. There's no in between. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is definitely that when, when it was described to me, I was like, I don't think so, but lo and behold, it works. It works very well. So we will have some fun doing that game. And we've we've practiced a little bit, and there's already some, uh, I would just say, some daggers that come out in those games. So I think you'll have a lot of fun with that. And our game master, Russ, who always puts that game together for us. And we've hoped that you've been enjoying our time on BJ Live, you know, and uh, the Board Game Arena platform. So as we continue to expand, we hopefully continue to produce more content that you want to listen to and watch. And again, if there's anything else that you'd like to see, please hit us up and let us know. Because again, we want to be where great board games are. Real quick, before we dive into the question of the week, I wanted to give a shout out to everybody who entered our contest the last two weeks um, for the March Gamer Madness. So we had about 150 or so entries. So again, everybody who took the time, you know, that whole survey uh, to run through all 63 matchups takes like 10, 15 minutes. And so a lot of you did that. Thank you so much. Um, And then Andrew was our winner down in Australia. So he picked uh, Gaia Project as his prize. And uh, yeah, so congratulations. Thank you so much. He mentioned that he had not really any idea of what these brackets are in general, except for our episodes, <laughs> which I found fantastic because we're breaking barriers. We're doing something even basketball can't do. So, <laughs> um, thank you to everybody who entered. Congratulations to Andrew on picking the winning bracket. And uh, yeah, obviously we'll be back next year doing it again. Yeah. And if you haven't got a chance to listen to those episodes, um, again, check those out on YouTube because those were our first two videos that we did of the podcast on there. And we had uh, Jason on one week on episode 317. And then we had Liz on the following week, episode 318, talking about the best in solo gaming. And every once in a while, I got to break a tie. And... That was funny, and I don't know. We did a thing. <laughs> so somehow Andrew was able to pull it out. I don't know how, but he did it. So yeah. So definitely check out that episode or episodes because it's a lot of fun. And again, we do this each and every year. And again, you do not have to be a basketball fan. You do not have to understand brackets. It's just throwing two great games together, picking which is the better of the two, and then continuing to do that until you whittle it down to one. Every year we do something unique. It's never the same thing twice, and it's a lot of fun. So again, congratulations to Andrew. Congratulations to everyone that played. Hopefully you had a really great time with it. And again, we'll do it again next year. Again, if you have an idea that you want us to do for the bracket, please, this is your podcast. Hit us up. So now, Anthony, we talked about all the great things that's going on with us, uh, and obviously now we're going into stuff that's going on with our listeners and viewers. Again, let's talk about our question of the week. All right, yeah. So the question of the week is, if you could have any miniature game painted by a professional for free, it's important, which would it be? So any miniature game you can think of. I have many. But you only get one. One. I know. I know. Everything else is is blank. (laughs) This is a really tough choice. Uh, So let's run through some of the answers here, then we can share ours. Michael says, Rising Sun Daimyo Box. And David said, yep, that or also possibly Blood Rage. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, both of those. Um, Kai mentions Kingdom Death Monster. <laughs> Wants oh those God, monsters in color. Oh, no. You don't want to do that. <laughs> no, you don't want to. <laughs> oh, no, there's detail now. Ah. <laughs> I didn't realize it. That was the funny thing about Rising Sun. I was like, oh, these miniatures are awesome. And then people started painting them. And you see them online. You're like, oh, those are just 
dead bodies surrounding them. Oh, no, I don't know. I will never paint these. I'm like, I like the, the general vagueness of their shape and form and what they're carrying. So yeah, let's, let's leave it that way. Yeah. yeah, Kingdom death monster is going to give you nightmares if they're, they're painted. Just saying. Yeah. Although you're getting the most bang for your buck. If you're getting one game for free, cause that is, Oh my God. That's a lot of minis in there. <laughs> that is a lot of minis. All right. Uh, Drew mentions the Imperial assault collection, the whole collection, which is, a lot of stuff because i have all of this um yeah jesse mentions war of the ring since you can no longer get the anniversary edition without several thousand dollars uh why not paint everything um definitely on board with that darren says mythic battles pantheon yes Uh, that's new yep that would be that'd be beautiful andre mentions anachrony which would actually be a pretty simple one because it's just the you know there's the little bot guys sure um we have the knights in shadows over Camelot. Very nice, very nice. High detail, like it. Yeah, and then a couple people mentioned that they would love to have their wheels painted for Zolkin. Ooh, very cool. Yeah, for me, um, it's probably either Imperial Assault or War of the Ring. I'm still holding out hope for a reprint of Anniversary Edition of War of the Ring that I can afford. You know, the five hundred dollar version. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but if it does. I'm going to get it whether I can afford it or not. But Imperial Assault would be amazing because I've tried to paint some of these. And like, if you've never tried to paint a Stormtrooper, <laughs> I'm telling you what, it's not fun. And there's like 400 Stormtroopers in all these boxes. It's it's not fun. I would definitely, I would pay someone to do it, let alone for free. I guess for me, if it had to be anything, it would probably be the Small World Deluxe Edition that I have. Ooh, yeah, That is like uber, uber crazy big and expensive the thing about me and painting is i have some skill and by some skill i mean i have some i don't know where it is but i have some (laughs) it's in here so it's somewhere you know so you know the idea of painting and just it not coming out you know super high quality i think would just crush me so i'd rather not have it painted than paint it just because it just would it would just break my heart and sometimes like you see some things you're like oh that's that's not a bad job but you know it's one of those things where it's just like i can't no <laughs> i don't i don't want to do that but i i guess if it had to probably be a normal board game that again that wouldn't be something that was kind of crazy and insane there are a lot a lot a lot of op- opportunities and options for this but i guess probably just for me personally the biggest collection that I don't have painted would probably be the um, Star Wars. Well, I say Star Wars, but you mentioned Imperial Assault. But the really the thing that really kind of set me off on this one, Anthony, was the Star Wars X-Wing miniatures was always such a perfect job right from the start. The Star Trek attack Wing miniatures was a nightmare. Yeah. All the time, all the day, mispainted, just awful. And I think recently, within the last one or two years or such, WizKids decided to give it a, them a decent paint job and, like, you know, reintroduce them. So I have all of these horrifically poorly painted miniatures that Star Wars X-Wing miniatures did a perfect, beautiful job. And somehow I have stuff that was painted by, like, a third grader. And I'm just like, no. So... You know, in honor of the IP, if if there was a way to get these painted properly, I would absolutely adore that. And no, I'm not rebuying them again in order just to get that. I just have way too many. So yeah, I can't right. go down that hill. <laughs> I can't do that. So that would be mine. So again, if you would like to hit us up and let us know what miniatures game you would love to have painted, please hit us up on any or all of our social media. The questions of the week or the questions of the day come out each and every day on Facebook. And on Twitter, but again, you can find us everywhere. If you are listening to this on a podcast player, do us a favor and leave us a like. Give us some bunch of stars so that, again, algorithms, they'll know things that you'll know and then other people will know them. So that's always really helpful for us. And again, thank you so much for all of your support. All right, Anthony. So that's what's going on with our listeners and that's what's going on with BGA. So now let's get on to the games that we want at the table. Let's talk about our acquisition disorders all right yes so i have kind of a three for one for y'all today ah, that's uh, cheating man 
It's not because this is the Kickstarter. They put up three games in one Kickstarter. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Just well, talk about one? Just one? To be fair, to be fair, I only have one game. It's a, it's one little game, but, you know. Yeah, it's so small. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you could buy, like, three of each of the games I'm talking about. You for could. You seriously could. <laughs> All right. So mine is Factory, Funner, Bear Raid, and Ghosts of Christmas from BoardGameTables.com. And okay. BoardGameTables.com has done board games before. They did uh, the Roll and Writes on tour, and then they did QE, both of them kind of quick, easy, fun games. Um, these are kind of in the same ballpark in terms of length. And the reason it caught my attention is that I have played Ghosts of Christmas in its original form, Time Palatrix, which is a trick-taking game, I believe from Japan only, that in which you play tricks into the past present or future so you have three different locations that you can play tricks and then everybody will play to all three uh time frames and then you see who wins you're also bidding on the number of tricks you're going to win and i always enjoy that uh, like skull king or any of the games where you bid on the number of tricks you're going to win because it helps you manipulate and it gives you something to do always if you're trying to lose tricks great i love games that do that because trick taking games are all you're doing is trying to win not always fun if you get a bad draw. So True. this is a retheme of that using artwork from um, Charles Dickens' uh, Christmas Tale uh, and or Christmas Carol, I'm sorry, and kind of retheming it with, you know, the past, present and future of the ghosts and everything. Um, and most importantly, just making it available because the version I played was somebody like printed out and made a copy of their own because you couldn't really find it. So that's fantastic. I highly recommend that if nothing else. It's like $15 on the Kickstarter. Um, well, well worth it. The next on the list is Factory Funner. This has been printed a few times over the years. This is a new version. It's got some pretty cool artwork, silly, goofy machines being put together. In the game, you're going to flip over tiles and you're going to place them in some way <laughs> into the general... Um, tableau that's being built and you're trying to get things that are produced by one machine into another machine that then becomes something else and go into another machine so it's a big giant puzzle and these tiles kind of all flow and overlap and wrap around each other on the on the game board um it only takes 20 40 minutes to play and it's a bit of a brain burner in there if you play it right and it plays solo uh, just because of the the nature of what you're trying to do the third game is bear raid and this is a game of stock manipulation. So already having fun, <laughs> kind of in the theme of QE. And so in this game, you can buy or short stock. Um, and so we've probably all heard at least a little bit about sh stock shorting in the last three months with the whole GameStop fiasco. <laughs> and you're going to have dice that you can manipulate to affect the company forecast. So you're kind of messing with your dice to try to make the company make more or make less. And generally trying to, to short sell or break people's shorts. Um, you know, you're, that the whole idea here being manipulating of, of the stock market and trying to make a whole joke out of it because the whole thing's a joke anyways. Um, and again, it takes 20 minutes. It's quick. It's simple. It's uh, a cool theme. with, And the artwork is not like your typical, um, you know, Wall Street or 18xx type of thing. It's colorful. It's you know, got these bears on the front of the cover because it's called Bear Raid and kind of fits into the same theme of the other two games. It's quick, it's accessible, it's easy to teach. So uh, I recommend checking out all three of these. Uh, the one I'm personally going to back is um, the the first of those that I mentioned, Ghost of Christmas, uh, because again, that's a fantastic trick-taking game that I've played and enjoyed and I'm happy to see in print. But the other two games as well are looking very interesting. Um, it's up on Kickstarter for the next 17 days. So you have about two weeks from when you hear this and uh, they're doing pretty well. They got plenty of money, so it's backed already and it will ship at some point in the future. I, I did see this and I was really just instantly engaged by the fact that it had a Christmas game because I'm like, <laughs> you don't see Christmas games and you don't see good Christmas games. I have, I have a trick taking Christmas game. I think it's like 12 days of Christmas or something. And I'm like, and I'm begrudgingly holding on to it because it's the only Christmas themed game I have, which seems kind of crazy. Like it, there should be more of those things. And I'm like, oh, this is really cool. Oh, this is pretty inexpensive. And then I'm like, but then what these Kickstarter campaigns always do, it's like, sure, you can get the $15 game, 
but you don't want to pay shipping just on that, do you? And it's like, I, I guess not. They're like, yeah, so why don't you buy all three of the games and then it will be just cost $69. Like, well, that kind of makes sense. Each game is like 34 bucks, and and, the, and the, the Christmas game is like 15 bucks. So, all right, that that sounds possible. Like, I, I think I could do that. And then I get the flat shipping and I'm making, oh, this is good. I'm making money off. This is awesome. And it's like, but don't you want the upgraded components? And I'm like, <laughs> not really. And they're like, no, you really want the upgraded components. And now it's twenty dollars more. You're like, all right, now I'm paying eighty nine dollars for these three games that I wanted just to buy the fifteen dollar game, and I'm just like, what happened? I just wanted a fifteen dollar Christmas game. That's all I really wanted, and I'm just like, I don't know what to do. I need an adult. I just need to get out of this campaign. So I will return to look at the Christmas game, and then hopefully not get go down that rabbit hole because again, it's, it's relatively a good deal to get all three games for like $69. Again, if they're relatively decent games, I have not played any of these games, but you know, then it's just like, Oh, did I not get, did I not get the upgraded components? Did I not get the, uh, the Dickens hat and wooden wreaths? I mean, like clearly that was something I needed to have, but I don't know. (laughs) Like they know how to run their campaigns and they're scary people. So, uh, no, it's it's a great campaign, and if, if you'd like to check it out, you have until April 16th, 2021 to check it out. Three fun games, definitely worth your time to take a look at. And, and again, I will try to look at it, but at the same point, when I look at it, I'm going to just kind of keep my hand like this, and I'll be like, I didn't, I didn't see the other games, I didn't see the package deals, I just saw the Christmas one, and, and maybe that'll get me through the campaign. So That's what I'm trying to Who do. Who knows? I'm trying, man. <laughs> I get two more weeks for them to send me updates and be like, what about this? And what about this? I'm like, no, just the one thing, $15, I'm out. <laughs> but don't forget the $4 shipping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. They get you with that, and you're like, oh, I could not pay the shipping. You're like, it's $4, just pay the $4, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> well, talking about Kickstarter campaigns that you're very, 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 you know, scared to look at, I want to talk about a campaign that's been going big for quite some time. This is Stellaris Infinite Legacy. It's a 4X board game based on the PC game that is supposed to take two hours of gameplay in order to get that 4X in. And it's been on Kickstarter for a couple of weeks now at this point. It's already raised over $2 million uh, and it has about another week to go or less than a week to go when you listen to this. In fact, it will wrap up on Monday, April 5th. So you don't have too much time when you do listen to this or watch it on YouTube. But when you do eventually check this out, I think it's something that you should look at because Stellaris, the PC game, does have a wondrous pedigree and an endless number of awards for being a fantastic video game. Now, the board game implementation of this 4X space opera is still somewhat unknown. That's part of the problem in the issue here. I, I really languished over this because I was like, back? Like, I was like, ah, I want to back. I don't, I don't know. And they didn't have a playthrough. They didn't have a walkthrough. They didn't have an, a rule book up at the time when they posted this. And it was just like, well, I'm not really sure what I'm backing. I personally haven't played the video game. Daniel, who's been on the podcast with us, has played it. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't available, so we couldn't bring him off this. But Academy Games, who's a company that we worked with previously, and they just, they're a great company. They produce some of the best board games out there, and especially war games. So this definitely seems to be somewhat in their wheelhouse, if not completely in their wheelhouse. Uh, they've done, I think, one kind of like sci-fi theme, but I don't think the sci-fi elements are really important here. So if you haven't played Stellaris, there is a whole story here, and I don't want to give any way the story because there really is a really interesting story, but it takes a lot of the sci-fi tropes and kind of throws it all together. The interesting thing about this game, especially the board game version of it, is that you actually do get to customize your empire. It does have infinite replayability despite there being a story in the game so as you expand and build up your empire and you grow and you take things over different things will come into play in the game in future campaigns so it's not necessarily like a legacy thing where like then something gets ripped up 
but there is some elements that will now in the future come into play. Again, there's not an endless amount of information about this. It's just actually small to medium amounts of information of how this all plays out. But again, it's supposed to be a two-hour gameplay situation where, just like Twilight Imperium 4, you choose which of these four X's you're going to do. Explore, expand, exploit, ex-politics, which is a little bit different than most of the other games. And then you get a player board and you're allowed to do that thing. And that's your thing for that turn. So you have your customized race and the planet and their special abilities and you get to do your thing. And it has this opportunity to have multiple players play at the same time. But if a player drops out, you can bring somebody new in and that new player can still win the game because their objectives to win the game are much easier. Because again, they're starting off from scratch where yours as a veteran player now are more difficult. So somehow the game organizes all somehow and makes it playable for everyone it's it has somewhat again based upon what they're claiming here a very quick setup really easy organization and it seems like a relatively good game it comes with a lot of stuff in fact there was an early bird which has now passed and really is the only thing that's keeping me from not backing it now at this point but for about a hundred and seventy dollars you can get everything so not just the base box, but also the expansion boxes, which are still going up with content. If you just want to get the standard edition, it's like 110 Now, this unfortunately has become the new standard for board games, especially on Kickstarter. And it's not to say it's not warranted. It's just to say it's super expensive. Because not only are you now paying you know, $150, $200 because there's shipping and taxes and everything else... But you're not sure exactly if this is the game you want. You're not sure exactly if the expansions is something you want to add to the game. So it really is an investment. This is something that's at least worth your time investigating. I don't know if it's worth the investment for you. It was almost for me, but there just unfortunately wasn't enough information for me to pull the trigger on this. It's kind of sad because I really did want to back this. I could see myself playing this. Twilight Imperium 4 is one of my favorite games. But it does take a long time. It does hurt players who are new. And I would like to have more of a, you know, galactic sci-fi opera instead of just like, did you meet these particular goals? And did you, you know, hit these certain targets? Because that's typically what this is. So again, this campaign is up. You have a couple more days to check it out. You should check it out because if no other reason, it's really an interesting project that Academy's putting out. So really impressed by them here. I don't know, again, where they are in their production cycle. So will they be able to produce this on time? Will this game only take somehow two hours? You know, there's a lot of unknowns to this. And again, it's, it is on the expensive side. And I think it's something like $35, $40 for shipping. So that's what that is. So that's Stellaris. Check it out. Again, you have until uh, next week on Monday to uh, back it if you're interested. Otherwise, you'll you'll be like me. You'll be waiting for retail. Yeah, I'm, I'm in that boat with you, man. Um, I don't know. Like, I was really on the fence from the beginning with this game. Uh, and I love Academy games. I have several of their games. I've, yeah, me I've too. reviewed several of them. I love them. It just, it's like any of these games, it's a lot of money. And there just wasn't enough information up front for this complex of a game. Like what they're saying it's going to do. I don't know enough about how that actually works, even though I trust them to do it properly. Like I'm, I'm sure it'll be fine, but it's just with that kind of spend, I'm just like, I'm going to wait. I shouldn't wait. I'm going to lose out on some of this extra stuff, but I've just got to wait. Hopefully there's conventions next year and we can pick it up then. But <laughs> right now, not so much. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's again, these games are becoming so and this was so expensive. And this was always my fear about board games. And this was always my argument versus the industry saying, if we make games more expensive, yes, you'll buy less of them, but we'll make more money off of them. And that'll be better for the industry. But my counter to that is if you make the games too expensive, the barrier of entry is so high that no one can afford to just casually buy it at a reasonable price. Like you can't buy a $200 game. I mean, if you can, God bless, but I can't buy a $200 game, throw it on the table and then not like it or not want or not like put it in a a normal rotation. I could do that with a $40 game, 
play it, not like it, and then just, you know, trade it or give it away or something and not lose any sleep over it. But a $200 game, I just can't, you know, it's just, it's just these barriers of entry are, are just really keeping people away from the industry. So um, it's sad. I mean, I understand like if you can make the money by all means, make the money, but uh, it, it's keeping good games out of people's hands. So uh, yeah, I mean, so check it out, see if you're interested. All right, Anthony. So that's what's going on with us as far as acquisitions disorder is concerned. Now let's talk about the games that we want to hit the table and we'll let everyone know if those games are a buy and they should rush out and pick those games up. If those games are a play and they should sit down and play them. If those games are a dodge and they should avoid them at all costs. Or if those games are the dreaded burn and despite their wonderful, wonderful painted components, nonetheless, they deserve to be melted away under a microscope or a just giant, you know, magnifying glass. So what do you have for up for us this week? All right. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not melt down my game. Um, so I backed on Kickstarter, uh, I guess a couple of years ago now, Import Export Definitive Edition. And this was supposed to come in last May and was incredibly delayed, ironically, since yeah. the game is about shipping. Um, <laughs> it came in towards the end of last year. Uh, just for obvious reasons, everything was backed up. It like, it was literally supposed to be in production and finishing up when all the factories shut down. So it got mm -hmm. super delayed. Anywho, um, this is a, kind of a revisit of the 2017 game import export, but it's upgraded with metal shipping containers, metal credits, um, like a metal first player marker, all new artwork, some extra content and all the expansions and promos that have been released for the game so far. And then the, <laughs> This was kind of a silly thing, but when you get the box, it's one of five different colors and it has a random country sticker on the box, which I'm glad I'm not that OCD about my games because <laughs> oh no, I was like, if I cared what I got, I would be very frustrated because I don't even recognize the flag that I got. Um, I've been meaning to look it up, but I, I don't know what it is. <laughs> so... Um, so the game itself, Import-Export, again, it is basically the same game that released in 2017. They haven't really changed the rules. It's just all the components and bits in the box are a little updated. Is you're going to have all these multi-use cards and giant deck that they come in, right? And so on your turn, you're going to have a couple options. You can um, draw up to your hand limit of five, or you can take an action uh, by playing one of the cards from your hand, and it says the action right across the top. And then um, doing however many type, you know, activations of that action that you can. And so there's various things you can do to tuck cards under your player board. Uh, very similar to how like a Glory for Rome player board might look or a Matainai player board. Mm -hmm. And so you tuck them under the left side that powers up your ability. And so you take that action and now you can do it twice or three times or whatever it might be. Um, other people can then follow that action if they have the available cards in their hand or if they have previously tucked the cards to do so. And if they don't want to do that, they can draw up to their hand size as well. So every turn, basically, everybody's going to get to go. It's not just you take your turn. Everybody gets to take their turn. Actions in the game are shipping. So you're going to be able to... Um... Sorry, I'm getting the, the words mixed up here because... It's a game about shipping. Um, you have a contract where it allows you to place a card out there and then you can try to complete that contract. So in this case, you have the little metal boat that you place on top of the card. I know the original version, you had like a card that you placed on top of it to represent the boat, but now you actually have a boat. Uh, it'll tell you what you need to place on the contract to complete it. And once you do complete it, it's completed automatically. You push that all out to sea and then other people can take those goods themselves and import them, right? Uh, load lets you put stuff onto your contracts. So if you have cards in your hand that match your contract, you can place them out. Import lets you go out into those ships that are out to sea and pull those goods back and use them um, either as goods or uh, imports on, on your player board. So it can power up your abilities or they're goods for purposes of scoring at the end of the game. There's a pirate action that lets you take those goods from out in the open sea with no benefit to any other players, just for you. Um, and then there's a supply action where you can go to the supply island and take some cards there as well, or just sell your cards for various bits of credits. You're trying to get to 50 credits 
first, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean you win because whatever goods that you have imported are also worth credits. Uh, once you complete a contract too, those cards can end up being worth um, various points, uh, or not, sorry, not various points, but they have special abilities on them that you can tuck under your player board and then that'll change the game throughout. And that's really where the big swings in the game come is based on which abilities you get into your hand from this giant deck of cards and which ones you choose to complete and place under your player board and activate and utilize. And so all of this flows pretty smoothly. It's, you know, it feels like a lot of his other games where the core mechanics are fairly straightforward, but then there's like this one very important level of interaction at the center of it that you have to follow through on. In this case, it's like the, the auction element. Um, when you go to import, you don't just go and take something. People will bid for the right to go do that. So everybody who has import cards are going to throw them out there. You all bid, and then you can go take those cards from the open sea. Um, that part of the game is interesting. It reminds me a little bit of Tokyo Tsukiji, but that game is like pure economy, whereas this, that's just one component of the overall game. Um, I think the mechanics of this, I really enjoyed. I had a lot of fun with all of it. I like building up that tableau. I like triggering these different elements. I like trying to complete these different contracts. The only challenge, of course, is that there's so many cards in the deck. And when you're drawing cards, you might just keep drawing the wrong ones. Or maybe the like maybe you just need one more technology card to complete the contract you have. And there are none in the supply island and none in your hand. And so you just keep drawing another card because you're just like, I just need to complete this because I need to get my boat back because I need to get those points out. And it just doesn't happen. Um, and that's just, you know, there are several things built into the game to offset that, but they still can fail. And this definitive edition doesn't seem to address that really, because it doesn't really tweak the rules at all. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know what I would want to be different there. I know some of the expansions have, uh, like, some of the cards have two different types of goods on them. So you have some flexibility. I think I might mix that in, because then you don't just have a handful of contract cards that you can't use. Um, you might have a contract slash technology card. And you're like, oh, good. I can put the technology out that I need to put out. But the gate, the base game by itself is a play for me. I enjoyed it. I want to play it more. But there are some pieces to it where I was just like, it's kind of frustrating. And we're just kind of like getting towards the end of the game and just kind of like dragging a little bit, trying to get someone to get to that 50 point threshold it doesn't snowball like other games where you race to a certain point threshold. It's just like, someone will get there. We're going to get there. And you got there. Okay, good. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, I do like it though. I, I just need to get more of this stuff out. I think I'm like, I'm happy I have it. It wasn't crazy expensive. I think it was $50 in the Kickstarter with all the metal bits, which is cool. But it's, it was a little disappointing just in that there's no way to measure. There's no way to balance for that. There's no way to like, make sure the right cards are available at the right time. Even with that supply island, which gets overloaded with all these different cards, it still might not have the right card out there for you, which kind of, it's frustrating when it happens. I remember this when it came on Kickstarter and actually talked to the designer here. And I was really excited about this because I did love all of those other previous games and I did love the interactions from those games. So again, it was one of those situations where I was like, oh, this is really good. The one thing that ended up keeping me from backing this game was the fact that there was so many co combinations and the designer was like, well, we didn't play test all the different combinations. And I'm like, but I love this game. I want to back this game. But again, it was one of those situations because it was a Kickstarter, the price was so high that I was just like, I can't back a game that they just have not play tested the, th the thing because I don't know how it's going to play. So sure. Right. Huh? And, and I was just like, and I really, I, I remember watching this campaign just tick down. I was just like, I just can't pull the trigger. I'm glad you did because again, this game had a lot of promise. And again, there was no reason to think necessarily that, I mean, any, any game has those opportunities where they're just broken combos, right? That the, the playtesting only went so far. They added some cards, especially on Kickstarter. This is one of the, the wonderment of Kickstarter, but the nightmare of Kickstarter, where it's like, hey, we reached all these extra goals. Here's all this extra content. 
hey, we reached all these goals. Here's all this extra content that is completely broken when you play the game. And like, you won't know that until you play the game. And you're just like, ah, no, I don't know. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do any part of that. Why are you making me do that? So, yeah. So I'm glad that you were brave enough to kind of, you know, march up that mountain and uh, find those things out. But, right, yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't even think it's like a broken combo thing because no, yeah. throughout the game, you might get three cards up there that give sure. you powers. Like you're not going to complete a ton of these because the game is only so long. Yeah. And I'm sure there are broken combos. I have no problem with that though. I don't mind that. Um, it's just those dead turns where you're like, can't do anything because I don't have the stuff I need. Or I could do this other thing, but it doesn't really benefit me here. Cause the core of the game is exporting and importing goods. If you can't do that because all your both of your ships are full with contracts, you don't have the cards you need to complete them. Meh. <laughs> you know, it's no good. Um, I, I, I do think it's mitigatable. It's just, it, I don't know. It's one of those things. And I should say, like, I'm not the world's biggest Glory to Rome fan. Oh, I so am. I don't, you know, yeah. like this type of game, I look at it, I'm like, oh, it looks cool. It sounds cool. But it's not like I'm coming into this being like, I love this mechanic. It has to work. I'm a little disappointed. I'm like, I, I like this mechanic fine, and this one does it fine, and it's fine. <laughs> so. Well, it's great. Yeah, I mean, I love Glory to Rome with a passion and all the other implementations of that kind of mechanic. And when they were like, oh, there's broken... there Again, he wasn't saying there was broken combos, but there could be broken combos. Right. And how could there not? It's just right. the, the number of cards where there's those things. I mean, even, even Wingspan, which I think is fairly well play tested certainly did have broken combos so and terraforming mars had its own issues too but we won't right, we won't go right now but uh yeah no, cards. It's, <laughs> it's broken oh my goodness so i have two games for you one game is pretty quick now if you listen to the podcast at any length you'll understand that oftentimes when i do game reviews i spend a ridiculous amount of time playing the game reviewing the game and then giving you my most objective opinion possible. Because again, I think that your money and your time are extremely valuable and it should not be wasted on anything. That being said, let me tell you about a game that you may want to waste your time and money on. Because here's the thing. There are some games that are in fact not games. And I have been the first person, and you can check out my you know, board game geek profile where I'm like, this is not a game. This is a game experience. So this is a game experience. This is called Movie Clichés. This is Complete Edition. Now, I backed this on Kickstarter, and you can see here, if you're watching the video, it's a fairly generic box, but the artwork here is actually really a lot of fun and, uh, you know, very interesting. And again, the idea is that all of these different movie genres that we love do have all these cliches. And one of the things I love is I love movies. Like, oddly enough, I could be walking through a room and not paying attention and know exactly what movie it is just from hearing like <laughs> the smallest amount of information. And there was, here, here's like a way back crazy story. Like there used to be way back in the day be before the internet was super huge. There was like this video store that would do like competitions. And they're like, here's an image of a movie scene and we blurred it out. Like, you could barely tell what it is. I'm like, I know exactly what that is. I know exactly what that is. I must have won, like, so many free movies from them. I'm just like, I need to stop playing this. So I love movies. I mean, that's basically what it comes down to. So when I when I saw this come up on Kickstarter, I was like, oh, yeah, this is a thing that I love the concept about the cliches and the tropes and movies. And obviously, TV is another place where these are found. And I really love the artwork here by uh, Joshua Saucer. He designed the game and did the artwork. But really, this is a game about you like cute artwork. So yeah, this is what it is. It is not a game. Now, it has, as it claims to have, two game modes, Cliché Bingo and Name the Movie. So again, it has one of these things where it's like, there's two ways you can play this game. But honestly, there's no ways that you can play this game. Like... <laughs> As I'm looking at the cards, I'm thinking of like real game ways in which you could play the game. Like, hey, you got maybe if you added a deck of movie cards, right, with different like requirements. Now you have like a contract game, right? You have to get the the tropes in order to build that contract or build that movie cliche. But the cards themselves are really cute. That being said, there is some that there are too many of a trope and some are too few. So, for example, this is the 
sci-fi fantasy little little deck and it's rather small but if you're a sci-fi or fantasy fan like i am you know there's a ridiculous number of tropes so you'll get things like here for example that um love is the strongest weapon of all which is adorable and you have this orc guy and like a hobbit guy here and then you'll also have that you know isn't it funny and you know humorous that aliens all look the same way right that's just kind of just one of those sci-fi movie tropes and that's cute and then you have a little deck of comedy cards and again it's a pretty small deck and i'm really disappointed that it's all small small because comedy has probably more tropes than anybody else so you have your standard check please right that's always a trope you have the trope of you know reality is worse you know than the actual dream so this guy thinks he's kissing this beautiful woman turns out his dog's licking him so not too too surprising but obviously this designer really likes two things most of all or at least found the tropes most of all and that's action and that is horror and they're really huge decks yeah and i don't know why they're so big but like again the card art's kind of the same it's the same kind of trope kind of thing so here it does, in fact, turns out that humans are the real monsters here. Not too surprising. Um, or if you want a comedy, kind of an action trope, then you always know that if you watch an action movie, whatever the reason, whatever the, the, the action is or the monster might be, um, the dog always survives, right? So again, these are very cute ideas for a game, and he attempted to put together two game modules for it. So you play bingo where you lay the cards out. There's nothing that comes with this game to make bingo. Or you watch a movie and you're like, hey, here's a trope. Here's a trope. This is not a game. It's a game experience. So generally what I would say to you, of course, is if you're playing a game that's not a game, it's a game experience, it gets a dodge. So I would say again, because I have to stay true and objective, that this, of course, this game gets a dodge because it's not a game. It's a game experience. It's a cute novelty gift. Um, I believe I could come up with game modes for this. That might be fun. But then again, like I said, that's not up to me. That's up to the designer. Um, It's a small deck of cards. It's kind of fun. Again, I like it. So for me personally, it's one of those things that I will keep in my collection because I love movies. I'll keep it with my you know, my Blu-rays and, and old DVDs and things. I'll be like, hey, look at the thing and the thing and the thing. And the, isn't that cute? But everybody else, it's a dodge. Um, and that's kind of sad that he didn't really build a game mode into it because I think it's not that hard to do, says the man who'd never designed a board game before. Right. So <laughs> that's Movie Cliches Complete Edition. It was a recent Kickstarter. You should people pick it up in retail. Fairly inexpensive. The actual game I want to talk about is a game I already talked about, at least as an acquisition disorder. I got a chance to play it on Board Game Arena. I have already pre-purchased. I've already ordered this game, and it has not come in yet. So I've backed the game and the expansion. This is Nivellier. This is the game about recruiting a crew of dwarves to fight back a mighty dragon that's terrorizing their kingdom. That's awesome. The artwork is pretty cool. It's got this black and white kind of like hardcore throwback mystique. And it has some really cool graphic design where everything really pops because basically what you're doing is set collection. It's nothing more complicated than set collection and auction, right? So right there, it's kind of like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like the artwork's good. You know, the the pieces look really decent. But, you know, is that it? It's kind of it, but with one exception. So you have three taverns that you can bid at, and there'll be different dwarves that will come out in those different taverns. Obviously, if you're paying the highest coin, you get to recruit first. And obviously, you want to build your set collections that work best for you. So there are um, five set collections, I guess, eh, five to six, depending on what you decide to do in that particular game. How many of a color are you going to get? There's orange, there's blue, there's brown, there's purple, there's green. So you are going to be building these different sets. As you build them up, of course, they will score you more points throughout the game. As you build up the different sets, each of the sets scores differently. So some of them are straight points. Some of them are like exponentially get higher. There's a whole bunch of different special conditions. If, in fact, you build equally amongst all of the sets you will have an opportunity to pick out a leader card to add to your tableau. There are leader cards for each of the colors. 
that represents the different set collections, and that will give you some sort of bonus. It might give you more in that particular category for more points, or it might give you some special ability or condition in the game. Because again, as the rounds come to an end, you will have the opportunity to get a bonus. So halfway through, you get this big bonus, but this big bonus only comes through if you have the most of a certain set. So of course, you can't collect the most of everything, but if you do collect equally, you will get leader cards throughout the game. So it, again, it's a balancing act. Like how much do I want to get of one action and get all of that kind of color? But if I do it evenly, I might get enough leaders that it'll balance it out. The leaders are very diverse. As I said, some of them just add to the particular color set of a particular group. Some of them just score you victory points. Some upgrade your coins, which is a very big part of this game because not only are you bidding on for the dwarves, and you will always get a dwarf, which is great, but also if you decide to bet zero, which is your standard coin, then you get to toss out the one of the two coins that you did not use and upgrade it for a better coin. So there's opportunities to raise your bidding ability throughout the game. I've played this on Board Game Geek. I have not played the physical version. I'm still waiting for the physical version. The expansion itself comes with more stuff, which is always good comes with new heroes always good it comes with these special items and you know just additional more to the game so new heroes new mercenary cards artifact equipment cards that are kind of fun into the game so both of these games i highly anticipate getting to the table the online board game arena version i've actually liked a lot again it's a very sharp sleek way to do an auction game and again, the artwork and at least the components look good enough that would keep you engaged. And again, it's that push-pull, press-your-luck situation of, do I want to rank up my money coins to be able to get the dwarf that I want? But as I'm doing that, other people are getting the dwarves that they want. And then again, what set collection am I going for? This game obviously plays at a full player count. So I would take a look at four players for this game because... If you play to two players or less, then you get one set, I get one set. Um, you could play a five, you could play a three. It kind of works. Really, I found four works best, again, but that's completely up to you. This is a really fun game. Nivellier is available on Board Game Arena, and it's available on pre-order at a number of different stores. Definitely, absolutely check this out from Grrr Games, with no vowels, just G-R-R-R-E. So check that one out. It's all, It looks like to be a lot of fun, and at least my online versions are great. So this is a buy for me. Awesome. Yeah, I, I've been excited about this one. I have not played it online yet. Uh, Ooh, we should play. I know. That's what I'm saying. I like, wasn't even invited. I didn't even know you were going to review this. Come on. I'm not busy over here or nothing. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, but no, but seriously, I, I've been eyeing this one for a while. Like I saw the buzz coming out of it like late last year after whatever Essen was or was not. And <laughs> I have kept my eye on it, but it just has not popped up yet. And I don't know when or how, or who's going to release it here in the States, but it's uh, I'm excited for it. And I'm glad it was on board game arena. Cause I just, that came out of nowhere as well. I just need to get a chance to play it. So it's, it's awesome to hear it. So good. Very good. All right. So that's all the games that hit our table and our tablet. So now let's get on to our feature review. So for our feature review this week, we are looking again at the hottest games out there. The games that are burning up Board Game Geek's hotness list. Anthony, our game guru, is going to take you through the list, let you know why the games are on the list, why they're hot, or why they're not. All right, Anthony, I'll leave it up to you to take us through. All right. So if you've been on Board Game Geek lately, you know that they have the hotness listed on the homepage and it has mm -hmm. 50 games on it. <laughs> we go through the top 15. I'm not going to go through the top 50 because that's a lot of games. <laughs> and they're not as hot. No, they're they're lukewarm at best. So I know. Why even put I, them in the hotness? I know, but I was going to mention a few like honorables, right? All right. Ginkopolis is at 35. The reprint mm -hmm. for this came out last week. So that's exciting because that game's been out of print forever. I got my copy. It's still in shrink, but I, I do plan on playing it finally. Finally, after many years. <laughs> <laughs> um dominant species marine we talked about this a little bit before neither one of us Excited. has had a chance to play it yet but we both own it it's at 26 um 
hopefully soon this one hits the table once now that we're getting out there getting back out uh after the empire number 23 that's a really hot one right now it's on kickstarter really hard to find right now but by all accounts is a very cool castle defense euro just sounds fun so <laughs> i'm looking forward to that um and then a lot of the other stuff that you know you know and love nothing too surprising or new or different so let's dive in at number 15 and this is a, a classic. It's one that's almost always on this list somewhere, and that is Spirit Island. So we talked about this last week, of course, because it was in our uh, solo games um, bracket. It's one of the best solo games around. And yeah, there's nothing new or exciting happening that I'm aware of. This game is just that popular, so it's kind of always up in the list. People are always talking about it. Um, number 14 also kind of falls into that bucket, Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. So as if you've, if you're new to these BGG hotnesses, you'll know Gloomhaven has been on here every month for the last four years. And now it's on here twice every month for foreseeable future. So Jaws of the Lion. I look forward to Frosthaven joining the crew later this year. Um, Red Rising at number 13. This is the new Stonemeyer game. I don't know if it started shipping just yet. I know it's supposed to start shipping soon um to the champions uh there are a lot of reviews kind of trickling out though for people who got it early this is based on the uh series of books by pierce brown and i don't know anything about it we are getting a copy and at some point we're going to review it so as soon as we do you will know what we think as well hopefully here in the next month or so uh but yeah that is red rising number 12 marvel champions the card game uh this was also in our bracket last week this is one of my favorite solo games and they release new content every month. So any of those games with new content every month are going to be up here on the list. Um, the April content is particularly exciting, though, because it is a story expansion with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. So that will be uh, a bigger expansion. Comes with three heroes and s- several different um, enemies that you can fight against. So looking forward to that. Uh, number 11, John Company 2nd Edition. This is the new Cole Whirly game. It's going to be on Kickstarter very soon. And I don't have the best impression of this game uh, from the one play that you and I had, Chris, at like 1230 in the morning at PAX a few years ago. (laughs) Um, So I'm keeping an open mind because PAX Premier Second Edition was a similar thing, like a re-release of an older game, and it was brilliant. So maybe this will be brilliant. I don't know, but... I'm not as excited as I wish I was for a new Cole World game. True. Number 10, Dune Imperium. This has been on the list for a little while also. Um, This is a card game uh, take using some of the artwork and assets from the movie that's coming out later this year. Uh, It released in the fall. It was supposed to release next to the movie. The movie got delayed for a year. So obviously they're a little separated. Uh, but you probably will start to see a big marketing push for this game in the next six months or so as we get closer to the movie. And so I would not be surprised to see promos, possibly even expansion content kind of push for this sometime soon. Uh, number nine, Sleeping Gods. This is the new Ryan Lockett game. Uh, it was on Kickstarter last year. Mm-hmm. And by all accounts, it's amazing. Surprise, surprise. Ryan Lockett made an amazing game. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's got the cooperative storytelling elements that a lot of his recent blockbuster games like near and far and above and below have. And <laughs> you can tell cause the time, when you look at BGG, the time to play, it says one to 10 hours or one to 20 hours. Sorry. Oh, um, it's, it's a long story. Obviously you can go through a lot. <laughs> um, it is listed as best at one or two. Uh, so that is interesting to me. His games don't always hit me just right, but one to two, And that kind of story mode, I'm like, uh, maybe I'll have to check this out. Uh, Number eight, Marvel United. The two reasons it's up here. One, they've gotten almost all of the shipments out for the U.S. backers, at least. Um, I know around the world, those are also going out. I got mine in on Saturday. Chris, you got yours in on Saturday as well? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so all this content is out. And then the new Kickstarter for the X-Men is in two weeks. So double whammy they're hitting us with here's all your stuff and now give us more money so (laughs) it's up here at number eight uh number seven is everdell 
Uh, Everdell had that big, big Kickstarter. Um, I don't know if it's quite wrapped. I think it's wrapped up if you're listening to this, but right around the last few days uh, for the big box and the new expansions um, that came with it. So a lot of people were looking at that on Kickstarter and it was well up here. It was number one for a few days as well. Number six is Gloomhaven. What? So I told I you this one's always on here. It's always up here. So <laughs> <laughs> nothing to add. Um, maybe there's some comic books coming out or something. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's Gloomhaven. Um, number five, Lost Ruins of Arnok. Uh, this has been a really hot game since it was released last year. There's also a uh, digital implementation, which is rumored and floating around out there um, coming soon. So I, I know people are buzzing about that a little bit. But for the moment, at least, uh, it's just a really hot game. It's difficult to find, which those are the funnest ones on this list. The ones people really want to find and play, and, and they're still kind of hard to come by. Uh, Fjords. This is a new version of a classic game uh, from Phil Walker-Harding and Franz Benno Delange. Uh, it's coming from Grail Games with new artwork by Beth Sobel. So just it'll look beautiful by all accounts. Yes. Um, I have not played the original version of this game, but I have seen copies of it. It was not pretty. So <laughs> wow. this new updated version with uh, Phil Walker Harding working on it um, with the original designer and with the new artwork. Um, it looks fantastic. So I'm, I'm interested to see how this turns out. Uh, number three, Cubitos. This is a new game from John D. Clare and AEG. And I kind of wrote this one off at first because I don't, I've been told many times not to judge things by their cover, but the cover for this was just like, <laughs> you've got to be kidding me, right? It's a block of cheese in Swiss lederhosen, like standing on a, on a rock. Like it just climbed a mountain. Looks like I don't understand what it's supposed to be. <laughs> it's supposed to be SpongeBob. I, 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 oh. I believe it's SpongeBob. It looks like SpongeBob. Okay. I'm sorry. It does look like SpongeBob, except it's cheese, right? It's not a sponge. It's cheese. Yeah, yeah. Okay, just, just cheese. It's got human legs. It has human legs. It's creepy. <laughs> um, I don't like it. <laughs> but the game is apparently amazing. It's a racing game. Um, it's like a, a pool building thing where you're building up a pool of dice and you use those dice to move your character around on this race board. Um, it's got to push your, push your luck elements. Uh, it's quick. It's accessible. Apparently, it's a little, little chaotic with all the dice kind of flowing all over the table. And a lot of people are very excited about this. It's very highly ranked. Um, and it's kind of like built over time. Like this game came out like a month, month and a half ago, but it's like moved up in the, in the hotness over the last few weeks because people are pretty hot on this one. So, uh, I've not had a chance to play it yet. It's the kind of game I think you need a bigger group with and I just don't have it. So hopefully at some point I get a chance to try it out. Very cool. Number two, Robinson Crusoe adventures on the cursed Island. Uh, so, there is a campaign for the deluxe edition of this uh, collector's edition. I forgot exactly what they're calling it, but it is over on GameFound, which is trying to build themselves up as an alternative to um, Kickstarter. And <laughs> this version of the game comes with a bunch of stuff you don't need, like miniatures and yeah. upgraded components. But it also comes with a scenario book. It comes with a big box with an insert. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff here. If you don't own a copy of this game and you love it and you want all the things, it could make sense, right, to go and pick that up. It's very expensive, so, but it could make sense. If you already have the game and the expansion and most of the content that's come out for it and all the promos, especially because they just released like that special box with all the promo content in it, which was like $40, which I bought, and then they released this, it kind of falls into that bucket of things we talked about a few weeks ago of, why are you doing this to us? You just released all this content. <laughs> like doing it again for $150. Um, but it is a big campaign right now. So that, that's why it's up here, number two. Hmm. And then number one, very top of the list, Oath, Chronicles of Empire and Exile. This is the new, new Cole Worley game. This was on Kickstarter last January. Uh, I backed this. I'm waiting very impatiently for it. It is currently on a boat bound for us here in North America at some point. 
Um, but it is shipping elsewhere in the world. I know some places already have their boats in and there are copies going out there and people are getting a chance to play it. Lots of reviews are going up. So there's a lot of buzz around the game. A lot of people are talking about it because it is going to be huge, right? I don't think it's going to be Root huge because I think it's a bigger, more complicated, convoluted game than Root, which is big because of how simple it is. But it's it just looks amazing. I'm really excited for this. Yeah, no, that looks excellent. And obviously they, again, have done a great job on taking a very popular game and re-implementing it in a brand new way that, again, according to the according to at least the Kickstarter, I haven't seen it in my person, but should be playable quite quickly. Like you could get, you could just load it up on the table, you can play it pretty quick and you can put it away and save it. So um, yeah, taking that whole legacy mechanic and adding a twist and adding accessibility to it is always a good thing. But as you said, it is a different type of game. It's a different type of product. And it may not necessarily be the thing that root players are looking for. It's a different right. a different thing. I am worried about that. Yeah, because we talked about this a while ago with um, Isaac Childress and Gloomhaven. And they had founders of Gloomhaven. And I don't think it's going to be that. <laughs> but that was the thing where they're like, let's use this IP in this new situation. And too many people backed it thinking it was like Gloomhaven. It was yes. nothing like Gloomhaven. And that game nope. was fine it wasn't terrible but it wasn't great it was fine so i'm worried hopefully not too many people were like i love root oath all day and like it's not the same <laughs> game it's not a war game hopefully it's the same artist too it's the same artwork yeah uh but it does look really good just on its own merits i'm really excited for it well if it does turn out to be radically different like founders of gloomhaven was you'll see it in bargain bins across the digital landscape pretty soon but Nonetheless, I think the artwork will keep it through. I think that was one of the things about Founders of Gloomhaven that it really dropped the ball on. It was like, hey, you, you remember that really interactive story? Uh-huh. You remember that really interesting artwork, like a throwback to old D&D? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, you don't get any of that here. You're like, ah. Yeah. Yeah. This is a uh, prequel with polyominoes. What? Yeah, and boring polyominoes at that. So... Yeah. So again, uh, really cool that it's up here. Again, Leader Games doing a great job just kind of like each and every time bringing something new to the table. So much respect and much love to everyone there and their team to actually be able to do something high quality and not just cheap knockoff kind of stuff. Because they could have easily done that too and just been like, hey, here's a game with cards that are just cute because who's going to buy that? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All day long. All day long. All right. So that's everything for us for this week. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table. Take care, everybody. Stay well.